Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. 25-year-old Shanquella Robinson was just trying to enjoy a friend's trip to Cabo, Mexico. But after dying under mysterious circumstances in Mexico, her friends returned to the States without her. My name is Sophia Talley, and this is True Crime in it. So before I get started, I just want to let y'all know, I do not look my best today. I am mourning a loss in my family and I didn't want to take the day off because it kind of helps me process when I just go through my day-to-day activities and things like that. So I'm not wearing my true crime and knit shirt. And so what you see is essentially what you get. And I look a mess, but I really wanted to share this story with you guys because it is an ongoing investigation and the family of Shanquella really wants her story out there. Just a disclaimer, a lot of videos that are talking about Shanquella involves footage that led to her death and it's very violent footage and I did not put that in this episode. Her family does want people to view the footage so you know you can look it up on your own. It's very easy to find if you just Google her name. I just don't want to put it in my video. It's it's I think I'm able to get the point across without showing what could have been her murder if that makes sense. But her family does want people to view it. And well, I'll I'll get into that. But just FYI, I'm not including the footage. If you want to see it, you can Google it. But I just am trying to keep this video from triggering as many people as possible because that video deeply affected me when I watched it by accident. And I'll get into that as well. So without further ado, I got my knitting. Let's get started. Shanquilla Robinson was born in January 9th, 1997 to her father Bernard and to her mother Salamandra Robinson. She went to a historic black college, Winston-Salem State University. She is a self-starter. So she graduated college, which is such a huge accomplishment. And then she went on and started two businesses. She has a clothing boutique called Exquisite Boutique. And then she also is a children's hair braider. And her hair braiding business is called Exquisite Kids. And I just find that so telling of her personality because to work with kids, as someone who works with kids, it takes a certain type of soul to do that. And to work with kids doing hair braiding where they got to sit still for hours. Girl, that's a saint. Okay, she's a saint. I don't even want to braid my own hair. She conducted her businesses in her hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina. So she's a Southern girl. Shanquella, though, loved to have fun. Her social media is just filled with her, like, just 
hanging out poolside and she loved to travel. And so on October 28th, 2022, she went on a friend's trip with her friends. And I'm going to try to pronounce all their names correctly, okay? Khalil Cook, Malik St. Patrick Dyer, Winter Essence Donovan, Elise Michelle Hyatt, Dejanay, and Nazir Wiggins. And they rented a luxury apartment at a resort. And this place looks absolutely beautiful. And they just went to just have a good time. Unfortunately, this good time came to an abrupt end just the next day on the 29th at 2.13 p.m. Shanquella's friends called a doctor panicking because... It seemed as if she had drank so much that she was very intoxicated and was not acting like herself. They also called her mom, essentially just told her mom that she was drinking too much and that so she was very drunk. I find that weird. I mean, if my friend, because, you know, we we all been there, okay? We've all seen someone like this. I've never just called their mom. I just, you know, if they're act, if they seem dangerously drunk, you call a doctor first, you know, but whatever, we're going to get into that. But the doctor comes in and she noticed that, okay, Shanquella seems stable. She also seems very dehydrated, disoriented, and she is not responding, verbally unresponsive. And she just appears to be super drunk. And her friends confirms as saying that she was just drinking super heavily. So the doctor is like, hey, we got to take her to the hospital because she, you know, she needs medical treatment. And her friends are just like, no, I want you to treat her here in the apartment. And after some time, the doctor is like, okay, let me administer an IV. At only an hour of the doctor treating Shanquella, so at 4.13, Shanquella begins to seize. And an ambulance is called at around 4.20. So that is seven minutes, okay, of when someone begins to seize, then an ambulance is called. Just picture this, okay? Your friend's ill possibly from drinking too much. So you call a doctor. Good. The doctor suggests you take her to the hospital, but you say no. If I am in a different country and my friend's being unresponsive and the doctor suggests that they go to the hospital, why wouldn't you take them to the hospital? I don't understand that. At the time when they called Shanquella's mom, they said that they couldn't take her to the hospital because it would cost $5,000 in cash, which is absolutely not true. That's not how it works. Shanquella also had traveler's insurance and the friends claimed that her insurance wouldn't cover the hospital visit, which again, absolutely makes no sense. They're calling her mom, who's in North Carolina, who is absolutely helpless. She is unable to do anything. And she is at the mercy of what these friends are telling her. So anyway, the ambulance gets called seven minutes after she begins seizing. Why they didn't call as soon as she began to seize? That usually is when, you know, you would call 911. We don't know. But the ambulance get there. They try to resuscitate her. But unfortunately, she is pronounced 
dead at 5.57 p.m., only two hours and 45 minutes after the doctor was called. So here's the thing. This is when things start to get a little bit weird. So the police get there and they start talking to the doctor and police only have what witnesses and what the doctor is telling them, which is she died from intoxication. There is absolutely no other evidence that police was able to pick up on at that time, allegedly, other than intoxication. And so that's what they put in the police report. She died of intoxication. But here is where the coroner's report gets a little bit interesting. The coroner comes in and they examine the body and they found something quite interesting. The coroner's report says the cause of death is severe spinal cord injury at actless luxation. Okay, I had no idea what an atlas luxation is, but this is how I could explain it to the best of my ability. So her spinal cord separated from her skull, essentially. And this was approximately 15 minutes before she died. I'm still trying to unpack that with the doctor being there for an hour or so administering fluids and things like that. But essentially, the coroner believes this injury happened 15 minutes before she died. So there's like a little box where it says, was it accidental or a violent death? And the coroner put yes. The autopsy did not mention alcohol poisoning or cardiac arrest. So there's no evidence in the coroner's report of Shanquella being heavily intoxicated, which usually they put, you know, blood alcohol level. It it wasn't included in the report. So that is interesting. Quella's mother, though, knew pretty much immediately that there was something terribly wrong with the claim that her daughter was, died of alcohol intoxication. When Shanquella's mother was talking to the friends that were there in Cabo, she said that each one had a completely different story. And their stories were not only be inconsistent, but they would also contradict each other. So first, so for example, their first story was, oh, she died of alcohol poisoning. And then a few days later, they admit, well, she was in a fight and she was jumped. One friend told her mother that they found Shanquella lying unconscious on the floor. Another claimed she was in a bed. Another said she was in a chair. And so they couldn't even agree on where they first found her unresponsive. So even basic details like that, they the mother could not get a clear answer out of her friends. And when her mother received her daughter's body, she looked like she was she said that she saw a knot on top of Shanquella's head and her face was bruised and swollen and her eye was swollen and she had a busted lip. And so it looked like she was beaten. And her mother's just like, what is going on? Like, this isn't alcohol poisoning. This absolutely makes no sense. And then rumors started to circulate of a fight video. So Shanquella went to Winston-Salem University and the students at this university began to circulate a video of someone being beaten. And so in this video, there is a 
nude African-American woman being violently beaten by another woman who is just throwing blows at her head repeatedly. And then in front of them is a man videoing them, you know, videoing this altercation on his phone. And so the person who's filming is filming all of this that's happening. And someone is heard in the video saying, Quella, can you at least fight back? And this is a man's voice that says this. And she is heard desperately saying no. Her mother, Salamandra, was able to confirm that the woman in the video was her daughter, Shanquella Robinson. Her father, Bernard, tells TMZ that his daughter was just not the fighting type. Like she wouldn't fight back. That's not her personality. And he really believes that this altercation was a setup. She was set up into being jumped by this person, this woman. Despite there being a video circling around college students, at that time, police still claimed that there was no clear evidence of foul play, which is ridiculous because her skull is separated from her spinal cord. I don't think that can happen during a seizure. Does I mean, is there any doctors in this chat right now? Like, can that happen from a seizure? That seems like a violent, violent injury. And then there's this video going around, and yet police claim that the there's no sign of foul play. And her mother, like the rest of us, is like, no. And her mother says, this statement is unacceptable and we are beyond devastated. We continue to fight for the truth. So so once this video started going viral and once reporters in Mexico started to pick up the case of Shankella, her mother had been trying for two to three weeks to get the police to investigate her daughter's mysterious death. At this time, she's seen the video. She know the friends are lying and that they are having these wild, weird, inconsistent claims. And yet police in Mexico and in the U.S. is just ignoring her and is essentially refusing to even entertain the idea that this was a murder. And the only reason why her death is being talked about was because a reporter was looking into solved deaths of American tourists in Mexico. And there was this hiker in Mexico. He was an American citizen. He was a tourist. He was hiking and camping in Mexico. And he was found murdered. And so everyone was talking about this. And so the reporters were like, hey, let's look into more of these mysterious deaths. Well, someone mentioned Shanquella and the video was also mentioned. And once the reporters found out about this, they just began to share and to talk about it, to bring more attention to it. And so because of that, that's why we are now able to talk about it now. Unfortunately, it is mid-December and it just took forever for the public to become you know, aware of what was happening because all it takes is public awareness to move a case forward. So it wasn't until November 18th when the FBI finally confirmed that yes, they were involved in investigating. The Baja California Attorney General Daniel De La Rosa Anaya announced that he had an arrest warrant for a femicide charge 
And in case you don't know, femicide is the act of murdering women because they are women. We don't know who the charge is against, but because there is an actual video of this altercation, we can take a guess. No one is naming this person's name. They're not even revealing their gender. I already kind of spilled the beans of it being a girl because, you know, the video, hello, is right there. But this person has an arrest warrant out for them and police know who they are. And the public know who they are now. So all we need now really is a confession and a clear story of what happened to Shanquella Robinson that day. Her father, Bernard, states all six of them had an opportunity to stop that situation. Neither one of them didn't do nothing about it. What gave them the right to take a life didn't give her no kind of care, no help, I can just feel her suffering, ma'am, the last breath that she took out of her body. And he's right. You know, there's so many people, you know, who were there witnessing this murder and not one of them stepped in. Why didn't the doctor do anything? I want to hear the doctor's story. The doctor that was called initially at 2 p.m. that day, partially because I want to know what type of doctor would see someone in that state and not immediately call ambulances. It makes me wonder if the doctor believed that her life was in danger just because why wouldn't you, you know, report that? That makes absolutely no sense, especially like people have this belief that, oh, because it was Mexico. So like Mexico was not this lawless land. It is, it is a fully developed country. These are American tourists. It's They're not like cartel leaders. Like there's absolutely no reason for her to lie or to not call an ambulance on Shanquella unless, you know, I can't, this is my hypothesis, okay? Unless maybe she was being threatened not to. That could be like, that is my only thought, you know, that she was just trying to save herself just because like what other motive is there to help cover up a murder when this person was clearly beaten and attacked and was not just intoxicated. And because of that, yes, she is being looked into for negligence. I just hope, you know, that she begins to talk about what exactly happened. And I want to hear exactly why it took so long to call an ambulance from the time that Shanquella began to seize. Because as a medical doctor, your first move should be to instruct someone to call an ambulance as you treat your patient. I don't, I don't get it. Something else that's extremely disturbing, horribly disturbing is, so they already had Shanquella's funeral and it was beautiful. Her family members signed the casket. They had gorgeous photos of her. The church was beautiful. It was a really great way to say goodbye. Unfortunately, the friends were there. Okay. And they really, I will say, you know, cut it up, as I would, you know, say. They were really into picking out outfits for the event. And they made a big show of grieving. When someone accused them of Shanquella's murder, they started 
bawling, like hysterically crying. It was all very much an act and it was all very disrespectful and just literally scum of earth shenanigans. They were let into the funeral to grieve and they just decide to essentially cut up, as my mother would say. That's absolutely atrocious. Salamandra, though, wants her daughter's story to be told and she says in an interview, it's hard, but I want the world to see it. And she's talking about the video here, by the way. She continues on and says, I want everything to come out because I just want justice for my child. I want to warn you that if you decide to do more research into this case, a lot of news outlets are... Journalism is dead. Okay, I'm sorry. Journalism is dead. And the way that these news outlets are portraying her death is very, very, they show everything, you know, they block out her body, but they show everything else. And the way that they are describing her death is without much sympathy for humanity. And I just want to warn you, i it's it's so disturbing how major news outlets are just talking about this tragedy as if she wasn't a person with a soul and dreams and things like that. Just show how black women are still being de dehumanized in their death. And I'm sorry that we all had to still experience that. My name is Sophia Tally, and this is True Crime Init. For more information, including show notes, please visit www.thedrugnetter.com slash true crime. Okay, so this is going to be a super short intermission because as I mentioned before, I am in mourning and I am just, I'm just under a lot of stress. My house, I'm putting my house up on the market. I am moving, moving on to bigger and better stuff, hopefully. So it's not like, you know, a bad move. It's technically a good move. We've just outgrown this, my tiny farmhouse that I absolutely adore and love. We just outgrew it. I'm very sad to leave my neighborhood and things like that. I love it, but we need more space. And I guess that's a good thing, but it's still very stressful. Hence why my lovely futon is gone and I'm filming in a corner. And low key, I kind of like the corner. Do you guys like, if you're watching, all right, do you guys like my corner that I'm filming in? I think it's pretty cute, okay? It brings a little lightness, you know, with the alpaca blowing bubbles. It kind of makes it, you know, a little less scary because we talk about such scary topics sometimes. So anyway, it's not going to be a super long knitter mission, but I did want to talk about knitting my husband's Christmas sweater. So I've been knitting the sweater in front of my husband. He found out about it. We talked about that last week, which is okay because I am using this knitting project to teach you guys how to knit your favorite sweater. So one of my favorite classes to teach is how to knit your favorite sweater. I usually teach it with Vogue knitting, but this time I want to teach you guys how to knit a, a loved one's favorite sweater because it's a different process when knitting it for yourself when you have your body measurements versus when you don't have your sweater recipient's body measurements because A, it's probably a surprise or B, they can live in a different household. You know, there's so many reasons why you may not have someone measurements. And so I've been working 
tirelessly on this blog post and I'm super excited to get it out there. I also plan on putting some workbooks on my website. I'm super excited about this. So I've been just selling patterns and I used to do classes, but I like, you know, on my website, but that's not really my thing. I really want to just do workbooks. I love editing workbooks and creating knitting workbooks. I mean, I am a published author, Knit Two Socks in One with Sophia Talley. Where is my book? Okay, everything is packed up. I swear I have a copy of my book. I don't know what I did with it. Oh, I'm looking at it and it's behind my monitor and behind my camera and behind my ring light. So it, it's it could be in Guam by now, but I am a published author. So it's like, okay, I kind, I kind of got some experience to do this. So, and I do teach classes and my classes usually involve teaching how to knit off the cusp without like a pattern. So if you want to knit a sweater, but there isn't a pattern that you particularly liked, I give you, you know, the measurements and the numbers and the mathy math. And all you got to do is just plug it in. And it's just, you just plug it into my Excel sheet and it is glorious. Oh my gosh. And it is just such an easy way to knit a sweater off the cusp because all the math is done for you. All the nitty gritty is done for you. And so is all the construction instructions. So all you got to do is just plug in your measurements and you're done. Mazels. Okay. It's super nice. And so I'm going to expand that teaching from my live classes into my workbook. So that way, if you're unable to go to my live classes, I'm going to have a different workbook, different workbooks available on my website to share that. So I have been knitting away at my husband's Christmas sweater. He loves it. The zipper is coming in the mail. So I should be able to have the zipper on and it'll make the whole thing look less like a lump of knitting and more like a sweater. So I am so excited to get started with that. Anyway, I am not wearing my True Crime and Knit shirt today. Oh my gosh, hold on. I didn't put on my True Crime and Knit t-shirt because I really just didn't feel like getting dressed, guys. Like I, I am holding on by a thread. I am just trying, you know, to keep myself busy. So if you hear rustling, it's me putting on my shirt. Hold on. Lord, my son's loud. Okay, if you wish to support the show, the best way to do so, in my opinion, is to purchase a true crime and knit t-shirt. The link's going to be on my website at www.thedrugknitter.com slash true crime. Okay, get yourself a t-shirt. I wear this shirt every time I film. I would wear it in my day-to-day life, but I don't want to mess it up and I should probably just order another one, but you know. And it's just a really, you know, soft, super soft, super comfy, well-wearing. I've washed this thing a million times. It's still blacker than black. It comes in black and white. I prefer to black, you know, because black like my soul. I told the guys that when they said, when they asked what color I wanted and they didn't respond. So I am unhinged. I'm sorry. So pick up a t-shirt. That's the best way to support the show. And I will see y'all next week. Thanks for putting up with my horrible makeup less face and horrible what us black girls called sealy plates. You know, like sealy from the color purple. She has like braided hair what you see is what you get anyway my nails just clicked anyway look at my nails oh my gosh okay i'm gonna go bye y'all thank you for listening thank you bye without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.